We are now, in many ways, emerging from the wilderness time of COVID. It's like we can see some kind of end in sight, finally. And though the desire to sprint out of here and never look back is real, this moment is actually the right time to stop, look back, and consider what has saved us and served us well on this trek through the wilderness of COVID. Which is why for the month of July, as we enjoy our glorious Pacific Northwest summer, each Sunday we pause together, we set down our packs, and we peek inside to see what we carry with us, the things we did, the practices or learning we picked up in the last year that have helped us survive through this time. It's our chance to name that there might actually be good things from this time of COVID that we want to bring with us into the next season. Because, according to the Jesus story, we are not exempt from facing hard times. Other wilderness times will come. So let's keep what we've gathered up in this wilderness. Because also, according to the Jesus story, it is in our wilderness times, like a global pandemic and racial reckoning, that God shows up and does some of God's best work. So surely there is something here in us from this wilderness. Let's not leave it behind. So friends, let's dig in together now. What saved you and what served you well during COVID? What will you bring with you? Let's reflect, bring it with us as we live into the new normal together. All right, friends, before we settle into our sermon time, I just want to keep one upcoming event on your radar, and it's next Sunday. So next Sunday will be in-person worship. We've, we're doing this inside now with the garage doors open so people can sit outside as well. So it'll be happening next Sunday. And then after worship from 11 to 1, we want you to come and stay as long as you can as we just hang out in the Salt House backyard for our Leap of Heart party, our chance to celebrate our collective achievement of reaching our goal to fund an expansion of ministry and therefore our budget in the fiscal year that has just begun. And y'all, you have shown incredible generosity by giving your yeses and letting your heart leap into this work that we have before us. And so it's time to just celebrate that together. So picture it, we're in the backyard, hot dogs grilling, music playing, a bouncy house, bubbles, temporary tattoos, the playground, and we're just going to be there together. Uh, I think folks will uh, join us from the shelter, and we'll take a moment to just stop and thank God for just all that's happened, acknowledge our key leaders who've been a part of this process, and it's going to be awesome. So please come, and also please consider serving a short shift to help, either to help prep the coolers the day before, or to come and set up that day, or to serve food, or help with the bouncy house, or with cleanup. So all that info is posted on our website with a link to sign up as well, okay? just so looking forward to that time to celebrate and be together. So we'll see you then. All right. So let's transition into the sermon time. I want to invite you to roll your shoulders back. Take a few good deep breaths, especially kind of slightly forcing that exhale out through your nose. It's a really good way to let it just sink down into your body. And just let it exhale until it's completed. Do a few of those. Friends, let's pray. God, we do let ourselves continue to slow down and breathe into this time that we have mindful that you are here with us. May this time of worship and the sermon time just really recenter our lives on you and the way of love that you invite us to live and embody with these wild and precious lives that we have. 
This is a weird time of transition for all of us as we see some normalcy returning on the other side of COVID, which is all the more reason why we need extra grace, extra curiosity, extra rest and renewal and chances like this right now to remember who we are as beloved. So may this time of worship continue to be that kind of recentering time together with you. Amen? Amen. All right. So, two years ago, in August of 2019, I found myself on the road to Tacoma. I was cruising in my minivan. And though I was on my way, I was already feeling lost because I was headed to a memorial service for one of my dearest friends from college, Annalisa, who had died of breast cancer. Such a phenomenal human and a loyal friend. I just still grieve her death. I was also feeling lost because I was in recovery from post-concussion syndrome, and this was the farthest I had driven myself in a car in a year, and so I had left with like 30 extra minutes to spare so I could hopefully rest my brain when I got there and be able to just like take my time and not stress my body. So I'm cruising along, and then as I came around that turn where Highway uh, 167 merges into 512, my front left tire started making all kinds of noise and riding hard because it was flat. That's right, flat tire on the freeway, and like my body just like instant, like ah, like panic, and also sadness at possibly like missing the memorial service. I called Jason as I continued driving, telling him what was happening and that I refused to pull over on the highway, but wanted to exit first. So I took the next exit into this industrial area as I looked for a good place to stop. So I took a right turn and then another right turn and then another right turn and I found myself parked on a narrow street in front of a house on the corner in a neighborhood I didn't know if I should feel safe in or not. And my heart rate was like so spiked because my body was still learning to like process adrenaline after my injury, and I, I was really lost. And then a man emerged from the yard with bushy hair and a mustache and a tank top and denim shorts and flip-flops and approached, and I wasn't sure if I should get out of my van. Friends, I wonder, have you ever been lost? Or really, probably a better, more accurate question is, when have you been lost? On the side of the road or trying to find your way or lost in the sadness of the death of a phenomenal human you knew and loved? Or lost in your own recovery time? We have all been lost, yes? Much of the time, though, like we move through life like not lost. Like we're usually just like on autopilot. We follow the familiar grooves of our lives, like to the grocery store and to school and to work. We do the same things like every day, every week. We have these patterns. It's like the well-worn paths in cow pastures. Have you ever been in a large rural cow pasture? The cows, they don't just like wander around. They have found the best routes around the land to get to the best shady spots and the best grazing areas by the most direct and safest routes. So they avoid rocks and bees nests and they avoid the like two steep parts of the slope and they stick to those paths. I'm convinced that cow paths are normal 
animal and human behavior. We all have our cow paths, like our, our, our cow path tendencies, which serves us well much of the time to stick to the familiar roots until it doesn't. Like when one of life's big winds knocks us clear off of our course, like the last nearly 500 days of our lives, where COVID has knocked us off of all of our cow paths, right? Nearly zero of our usual ways of navigating in the world could work anymore. Our paths were like closed down or we couldn't use them because we were stuck at home and we were lost. We still are, even as we're coming out of it and finding a way forward. This morning, we name that in this wilderness time of COVID, we have felt we have been lost unwillingly blown off course. Our heart rate is up. We're thick with fear and sadness at not knowing when we're going to make it through. Not sure if we should get out of the van. I want us to let that seep deeply into us as a way of finding language and understanding for what we've been experiencing. We have been lost with the panic and grief and like the, the care and attention to each step that we've needed to take to find a way without the comfort and familiarity of well-known ways. And it's all exhausting as we look around at our lives and our world as so different than anything we've ever known. We have been lost. So into this reality of ours of being lost, like where we have been, we then lean into the story of God looking at what it means for us to be lost. Barbara Brown Taylor, she's an author and professor. In her book, it's called An Altar in the World. She writes about spiritual practices that we wouldn't usually consider to be spiritual practices, but they are. They are like holy things that don't seem holy at first. And she names getting lost as a spiritual practice. Hmm. She now knows that these lost times, they will come. And she stopped fighting the prospect of getting lost and engages it as a spiritual practice instead. My friends, could it be that getting lost is a spiritual practice? I think there is something so juicy and true in that, especially if we consider what the Bible has to say about getting lost as spiritual ground. For the story of God, like when we dig into it, it reveals over and over again that God's people are lost like a majority of the time and that God does some of God's best work with people who are truly, seriously lost. I love how Barbara Brown Taylor, she traces this through, this, this thread of being lost and getting lost. She traces that through the story of God's people. So I'm gonna give huge credit to her because I wanna share some of that arc that she so brilliantly traces through the Bible. So let's look at God's lost people. Starting with Abraham and Sarah. So the parents of the Hebrew people, the Bible gives no reason for God's choice of Abraham and Sarah except their willingness to get lost. Isn't that something? Because, I mean, they weren't young. They weren't like spiritual giants. They were just willing to get lost. Like all they really had going for them was this willingness to like set off on a divinely inspired trip without a map, equipped with nothing but God's promise to be with them. 
And if we follow Abraham and Sarah all the way to Egypt and back, they are like so lost. I mean, look at what happens. Abraham, Abraham passes Sarah off as his sister at least twice to avoid getting hurt by powerful men who found her attractive. Abraham has terrible dreams in which God shows him the suffering that would come upon his descendants. Sarah gets so tired of Abraham asking her if she was pregnant that she, has, she sends him in to sleep with her handmaid, Hagar. By the time Sarah has her own baby, Hagar's son is big enough to pose a threat. So Sarah banishes Hagar and her boy from the camp, sending them into the desert to die, which is a whole other story of being lost in wilderness to be saved for another time. But there's just like so much like getting lost, yes? None of this would have happened if Abraham and Sarah had just given God their like, oh, thanks, but no thanks, and stayed in Ur where they belonged. By saying yes instead, by consenting to get lost, they selected a family gene that would become dominant in years to come. The family of God gene of getting lost. Many years later, Abraham and Sarah's descendants end up in Egypt again. The cow paths they follow in Egypt lead straight from their slave huts to the mud pits where they make bricks. They always knew where their next meal was coming from. They never had to wonder what they were going to do the next morning. But the cost of such security was their bondage to Pharaoh, who is so happy with their labor but not with their birth rate. So when Pharaoh starts ordering midwives to kill Hebrew baby boys, God's ears ring with the wailing outcry of the people. They cry and cry until God chooses a fugitive named Moses to lead the people out. The people are so happy to leave that they do not ask for any details. As it turns out, they need 40 years in the wilderness to learn the holy art of being lost. They face not just snakes, but also hunger, thirst, terrible homesickness. They complain bitterly that they would trade their sacred lostness in a red-hot minute for a cow path straight back to Egypt. They do not get it, thank God. Instead, they get food dropped straight from heaven in the wilderness. They get fresh water that springs from rocks. Instead, God strengthens that wilderness gene in them the one that makes them strong and resourceful, even as it reminds them how perishable they are. By the time they arrive in the land of milk and honey that they were promised, they know how to say thank you and mean it. When we follow the story of God with an eye for getting lost, we see how like this, this theme really sustains the plot. The prophet Elijah gets lost in the desert while fleeing the fury of Queen Jezebel, which is how he comes to hear the voice of God in the sound of silence. The people of God spend decades in exile in Babylon, which is a cultural wilderness that they, may, they might never have survived without their previous practice of literal wilderness in Sinai. And yes, much later, this wilderness gene surfaces in Jesus. As he consents to being lost, spending 40 days in the Judean Desert being tested by everything from wild animals to a scripture quoting Satan, which we talked about last week. These are big, big stories, right? 
story of God's people. But in them, we see what God has carried through in God's people, this getting lost gene, this getting lostness that always becomes a way for God's people to find themselves and be found by God. Do you see in this story of God how it reminds us that God does some of God's best work with people who are truly, seriously lost? And friends, we have been lost off of our cow paths, right? For the last 500 days. I don't even think our same cow paths exist anymore. To remember that all of what we've just said, like that this, that the story of God, that this is the story that we are part of, that this getting lost gene and this propensity for God being there to accompany us through our getting lost, like to, to hear that, to remember that, like on the one hand, I'm like, oh, I hate that this is one of our family genes of, as God's people. I don't want to get lost. I like my cow paths. I like familiarity. Or at least, you know, I only want to veer off the path when I, when, I, when I want to, right? But then in it, I also hear in the story of God's lost people, tremendous comfort for me, for us. It normalizes it, right? It reminds us that it's going to happen. We will be blown off our cow paths. And getting lost from our familiar path does not mean we are lost from God. I'll say it again. Getting lost from our familiar path does not mean we are lost from God. Getting lost is part of this life of Jesus. Dang it. And God is in it with us as God does some of God's best work here. So I am curious about what we have all learned about what saved us and served us in this time of being lost. What did we find? How were we found? We each had our ways of coping, of gathering resources, of getting our bearings, of self-soothing, of mapping a course forward through this pandemic. So to get at this question of what saved you and served you well through getting lost, I want to look at it through the lens of what we needed, like our needs. My friends, as you were knocked off all your cow paths of familiarity, what did you need? Here are some needs that I've observed. Many of us have had a need for control. The need for rhythms and schedules. Or the need to feel connected, really to like remember who we are and feel connected to our sense of self. There's been a need for exercise. The need for other kind of body time, whether yoga or meditation or movement. The need to create, to write, sing, paint, make music, poetry, baking, cooking, gardening. The need for play. Man, making space for joyful, unproductive, and demand-free time. The need for escape, binge-watching, hobbies, vacations, weekend getaways, booze. The need for connection. You know, we got creative on what it meant to be connected to others. Zoom happy hours, outdoor meetups. And the need then also for alone time because everyone is always home. The need for guidance. The need for sounding board, like counseling. Some of us needed medical care. 
What did you need? And then how did that play out? Like, what did you do that saved you and served you well in those needs? And like the more specific you can be as you think back, the better. I know it ebbed and flowed into different things. For me, um, I think about how I needed like good shows to watch that gave me like hope and joy. So is that escape, right? I needed daily exercise, sometimes twice a day. I needed meditation and like brain rest time. I needed to make that happen every day. I needed time to connect and talk with friends, but I really felt, found, I just found it really hard to actually reach out and initiate that. So it was a real struggle. I needed to dive into anti-racism work as that came up that felt really important. I needed my work from home space to be like cozy and clean if I was going to be working there. <clears throat> I needed to journal about what was giving me joy so that I could actually stop and see it and not let it get missed in the mix of all the other things that were happening. I needed to learn how to stop and let myself feel my feelings every day. I could see a lot about that whole process. And I, man, I needed you. Like I needed this community to like mark each week. Oh, it's Sunday again. I know which day of the week it is. But I also just needed to be in worship in a time that provided a lifeline and connection and meaning and purpose in this time of being lost. Okay, so that was a lot of things that I just listed. You don't have to have that many, but spend some time, you know, naming what you needed in your lostness, how you felt found, how you felt uh how you were able to find what you needed. As always, if you can like write these things down or journal about them, that's always helpful. Or you can write in the comments. That's good. Then of those things that start coming up, like ask, you know, what did you find that served you well in such a way that it could be something that you really carry forward in that pack, right? As in like, oh man, this is a really good way to process and move through times when I am lost. I want to remember this. I want to use this again. Let's carry that with me. So can you see, as you begin to consider this, can you see why getting lost can be engaged as a spiritual practice? Something that can form us on a soul level, a way in which we are found by God and find more out about ourselves. Something always happens when we leave that well-worn path because only then, when we can't like always see where we're putting our feet, only then can we no longer afford to stay unconscious. The familiar road can no longer make all of our choices for us. Leaving the known path, we agree to become aware of each step as we take it, tuning all of our senses in to know exactly where we are and exactly what we are doing. We wake up. And this holds true for like the big gusts of wind that like blow us off the path. Yet it's also in the smaller experiences of getting lost. Like when we turn off the GPS and just are, we head down a street we've never been down. When we take the long way home. When we try a new restaurant or a new church or a new job, a new partner, a new friend, a new beach, a new hike. <laughs> These all become ways to engage that spiritual practice of getting lost, strengthening this family of God gene of getting lost that is in us. Including when we get a flat tire on your way to your dear friend's memorial in Tacoma. <laughs> so I did, I did open my door. 
I did get out of the fan to discover that these series of right turns had planted me curbside at the home of Frank. Frank is a handyman and Frank is there and he offers to change my tire. He assures me by saying he can fix anything except relationships. And as he gets to work, I begin to share kind of my own stream of anxiety and grief that not only am I now going to be late to memorial service of a dear friend, but I'm also a few screws loose due to a brain injury that I sustained a year prior. So I kind of apologize that I'd probably be a little weird. (laughs) To which I then hear about Frank's own journey with a brain injury. What? How, just in a hit-and-run accident five years prior, both he and his wife sustained concussions. And both of them, they, they needed a lot of recovery too. And yet, Frank spoke then of how that injury opened up his brain and body to whole new ways of seeing and thinking and being in the world. He praised what is now possible after his injury. And in that moment of being lost... As I'm sitting here with Frank, it's like I'd found my own personal encourager, right? Just like, just through sharing as he's doing this. It's just as he's sharing his story of choosing hope in the midst of feeling lost in his own brain injury as he continued to then just like work slowly and methodically on my tire. I did take a a photo of Frank while he was working because I began to realize what just a holy moment, this getting lost moment was becoming. So here's Frank. And as my pulse got a little more normal and my vision a little more open, I saw that this house on the corner, Frank's house, where I happened to stop, I can like hardly even actually see the house because the yard was just like exploding with this vibrant garden packed with blossoms and fruits and vegetables that hang from arbors and overflow from raised beds. I took quick photos of those too. And Frank gave credit to his wife as the gardener, and he invited me to sit under one of those curbside arbors next to these gigantic dangling zucchini and bursting hydrangeas and daisies. He invited me to enjoy some snap peas, and I sit, and Frank continues to work on my tire, and I see that among the bounty of the garden are these quotes and signs, like on the sides of of the garden are, and it says like, choose kindness and there's always hope. And I can't believe that this is the place that I found and had been found by God in, right? That this is, that when my tire blew me off my path to Tacoma, this is where I ended up. Like what? So when I try to pay Frank some cash for his work, he just shakes his head. He says, you can have my card in case I know anyone who needs a handyman. And on that card is indeed confirmed in crisp black lettering that he can fix anything except relationships. Before I leave, Frank's wife comes by and mentions only, she only says that so many people show up at this curb with flat tires right here in front of Frank's house, to which I just marvel and say, of course, of course they do, of course. And I drive away, not faster than 50 miles per hour on my spare tire, make it about 15, late, 15 minutes late to the service. But I just marvel at what happens when we leave our cow paths, marveling and musing with God that this is where I have gotten lost today. This is where I ended up getting lost. 
What? Of course. Of course. Friends, let's pray. Take a deep breath. Roll your shoulders back. Feel yourself here. Let's pray. God, in this time that we're living through, there are many ways in which we feel lost. And this moment, we let it sink into our bodies and our, our awareness that getting lost is part of this life of Jesus. We possess this gene that is woven through your people and your story from the beginning. Now, knowing that and having survived the wilderness of COVID, we ask you to reveal for us what you've taught us, what has been strengthened, what what did we do that helped? What can we bring with us for next time? So we hold these questions with you in these next moments and into the next week. Curious about how you have strengthened us in our lostness. And we say thank you, God, that being far from the path will never mean being far from you. And for that, we are so grateful. Amen. Amen. There's a table in the wilderness Where the blind can see and the poor possess Where the weak are strong and the first ones last There's a table in the wilderness There's a table in the wilderness the blessed sing of his tenderness where the lame can walk and the weary rest at the table in the wilderness when you search so hard for the promised land when the earth won't yield to your blistered hand when you hang your head and you wipe your brow and you shout it out, shout it out. There's a table in the wilderness where the blind can see and the poor possess, where the weak are strong and the first ones last. There's a table in the When you close your eyes kneeling by your bed All the working hours spinning through your head You remember the place that your heart desired You found life, you found life At the table in the wilderness Where the blind can see and the poor possess 
lame can walk and the weary rest there's a table in the wilderness there's a table in the wilderness where the blessed sing of his tenderness where the lame can walk and the weary rest 